0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. There are these couple of verses in the Bible which have inspired me over the years to embark on adventure. I remember as a young pastor reading them for the very first time in my very first church with this whole career before me. And I would venture to say that probably most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with these verses in the Bible. I just happened to stumble upon them when I was reading an old sermon from an old book. These two verses are not the kind of verses we find on the fridges in people's homes or on a nice crafted sign hanging on the walls and in our homes. But I think it should be. Uh, they, they, they certainly could be. And I, I'm going to get this sign made up and put it here in my office. Though we're officially uh, finished the moving forward series, this, this message really f- is good. As a good follow-up because it has everything to do with moving forward in your life and in the life of our church. It is the call to launch out and better discover the powerful and impressive works and aspects of God in our life. I'll tell you this about this passage I'm thinking of today, that the very first word is some. The word some tells us a lot about uh, this passage and understanding uh, this passage. You see, the word some means not everyone. <laughs> and, and the fact is that we're about to read is not true, will not be true for everyone. It could be true, and really it should be true, but it won't be true because only some will accept the call to discover the adventure and thus, thus better understand uh, the power of God. So where do we find this passage I'm talking about? Where's this passage of inspiration, market adventure that you're referring to, that you're teasing us with? Well, we, we come across it in Psalm 107, in verses 23 to 24, it says this, Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power and action, he, His impressive works on the desperate seas. So we begin with some went off to sea and ships. And what did these some discover? We see how these some who were ventured out were able to to observe the Lord's power and action and his impressive works. How many of you would say to me if I could ask you if we were in a room together, um, I'm in the market to see the Lord's power and impressive works in my life today. I would love to see some of that. Uh, I think all of us would be. Some of us might be apprehensive to and hesitant to actually put up our hand and say that I am, or speak out saying that's me. I need that. I want that. See, the Jewish people who first read these words, this, these words in Psalm 107, were were certainly apprehensive. You see, they were not sea-faring people. They did not like going out in ships on seas. We know from reading our Bible how even you know some fishermen, these these, these fishermen, that these disciples. Uh, would would become terrified in a storm just on the lake, the lake of Galilee. But Israel's right on the Mediterranean Sea, this huge body of water, and they were fearful about venturing out onto its waters. However, not everyone felt this way, right? Some some were were, were prospering by using the sea as a means of uh, of transporting goods and, and doing commerce. And and we read how we read this thing, the how some applying the trade routes of the world. But it was more than just business that they discovered using the sea. These who went off in ships would see the ex- and experience the, the things you don't see and experience on land. However, not all the people felt this way. Some were prospering by using the sea as a mean of transporting goods, a way of doing commerce. And, you know, and we read how some were applying the trade routes of the world. But it was more than just business that this verse speaks about. Those who went off in ships would, would see and experience things you just don't see and experience on land. Those who went off to sea and ships would, would be involved in things you just could not be involved with and experience just by staying on land. See, there are great wonders of God you can no experience, but, but it'll require you to, require you to take a risk. We don't mention the word risk a lot in church. Uh, we, we talk about uh, a lot about faith, and faith often requires, at least from our experience, risk, right? You ever heard someone say, I'm going to step out in faith. What they're saying is this, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I just know that I believe God is asking me and calling me to step out, so I'm going to do so in faith. I will do it. I will trust God, even though it may scare me a little bit. How many of the stories in the Bible of real people just like you and I who really walked this earth, who really knew God, and God really called them to step out in faith? I think of Abraham. Abraham, God said, just leave your hometown. Just start walking. I'm not going to tell you where you're going. You just step out and walk in faith. How about Noah? God calls Noah to build this huge ship in the middle of nowhere, far from any body of water, in a world where it had never experienced rain yet. And, and, you know, and what a risky adventure. It took Noah, I think, probably somewhere between 55 and 120 years to build this ark, which would protect him and his family during just 40 days of rain and flood. That was a risk, and it took faith. God called Nehemiah to leave the cushy job. He had this respectable job of being the king's cupbearer, to to go back to the ruined city of Jerusalem and rebuild it. There was lots of risk there. His life was even in danger, but Nehemiah does it In faith, all of these men and so many more were called by God to venture out into the unknown. All of them would have to risk. All of them would have to pay the cost along the way, but all of them discovered this, the Lord's power and action and this impressive works. Many of you will already, or probably have heard me uh, a couple of times share about the how God once called me to, to plan a church. And you know, and it sounds very exciting. It sounds like a, a great adventure. The only problem was. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> it kind of helps when you want to do the thing that God is asking you to do. But God was patient, and he was certainly was persistent in his call saying, Mark, I want you to plant this church. But I just felt inadequate. I felt this is way out of my comfort zone. I'm not equipped with the ability and the giftings to do this. But eventually God made it clear that I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to risk this. Will you step out in faith? And it did come with a lot of risk. We sold our you know, a beautiful 3,000-foot square home, which backed onto this green belt of a park, and and we had to move to a town where we didn't know anybody. Unlike other moves I had done, we were going to no church, so we had to arrange and cover the cost of our uh, moving ourselves. I went from a really good salary to no salary, and I could not even find a job. I applied at KFC for all things, but they didn't want to hire someone to fry chicken who once pastored this, this church and It came with so much cost. I I remember it cost me pride. I remember going to the bank for a school loan for one of my daughters to go to school. And, you know, the the banker is asking me about my income. And for the first time in my life and my adult life, I had to say zero. Wow, that was hard to say. I hated saying zero. It was like taking a big magic marker and writing loser on my forehead. That's how at least I felt. I went from a staff of 20 plus people to a staff of just one, me. (laughs) I went from a nice church office with support staff to a home office downstairs. And to say I was out of my comfort zone would be an accurate description of how I felt in that situation. And there was a cost. There was this financial cost. There was an emotional cost. There was a professional cost. But know what? There was a reward. I don't know all the reasons why on this side of heaven, why God called me to plant this church. I, 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 have, I have some understanding, but I believe one day I'm going to find out a lot more. But I do know this right now. The Lord's power in action and action in his preface, in his press of works. I have saw that like never before in my ministry, uh, stepping out in my comfort zone, taking these risks. I, I told you some of the stories before, but they still amaze me. I remember that I was driving through this town that we moved to and, and stopping in front of the school and God said, this is the school you're going to meet in. And I, it was called, I think it was Hillside School. This is, and so I sat and prayed and said, God, I hear you. I will, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to ask for this school. And when I called for the school, when I found out about the school, I found out this town did not rent schools to churches. They, they, it was a very dark town. Uh, they did not have a good relationship with the church. And, uh, and they would not rent out the schools. But I thought, well, I'm going to try. So I called and said, I would love to Rent Hillside School. And the lady on the other side said, well, you know, we don't rent out the churches. And I said, I know I heard that. But she said, I can give you an application. And um, if you want, just uh, fill this out and um, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And so I filled out an application and sent it in. The next, I mean, a couple hours later, she called me back and said, I don't believe this. But the the, the district guy in charge of all this uh, he wants to talk to you. Uh, he's never done this before. I remember his name was Stan. He's never done this before. So tomorrow he's going to call you. So be by your phone because he's going to call you and just want to ask you questions about your church. So the next day, I stood by my phone all day. It was just like after 2 o'clock, Stan calls. And he says, tell me about your church. I'm telling him our vision and our mission and how God led me here. And he says, okay, I think, I think we can work with that. I went, what? Really? Yeah, we'll rent this church or this school out to you as a church. And I'll tell you, I've, I think at least twice. As we're doing church in this school, a pastor from another church came in and said, how? Like, how did you do this? I mean, we, we've been, I've been here for so long. Never before has this city ever rented out to a church. How did you do it? I said, I just prayed. I said, we've got her God. And it was a miracle. I remember our very first service. We we had uh, we had a nice little crowd and and we took up an offering and twenty five dollars came in <laughs> twenty five dollars. I needed like at least ten times that to pay the rent of this school. And I just said on Sunday night, looking at these twenty five dollars, I said, "God, you called me this, you, and I'm just being obedient. I'm stepping out in faith, and I'm risking. You got to provide the rent for this week. I will tell you, I kid, you not by Friday night. This is Sunday night. By Friday night." $11,500 came in unsolicited. I never asked anybody. $11,005 came in by Friday. Um, we had a fellow... And this church was a major drug dealer in this town. This, this town was dark. Remember there's Hell's Angels, there's drugs, there's, and this guy was the drug, uh, and he came to our church and he came with his family and he started turning his life around. In fact, even that a Bible study in our church, that was amazing. The impressive works, the, the power of the Lord in action. I remember when we eventually uh, had to leave the school. Uh, and we would go to the hotel, the secretary heard, you know, this on a Sunday, she's at home and someone calls it guess what? They're not gonna be able to meet in the school anymore. I guess a new guy came in and she came on her own over to the church, came into the, the, the gym where we met crying in tears saying, I don't want you guys to go. You've been so good for this school. In fact, ever since you've come to the school, this has been a better place. We are more at peace. We've had less vandalism in the school since you've come. Wow. A miracle. These are just some of the stories, and, and a lot of people will, will want to experience these sort of blessings and see God, the power of God at work in their life. And a lot of people will want to, but only some will actually see it. Why? Because only some will step out and risk going to the places where God is calling them to go. Why is that? Well, I believe one reason, a major reason, is fear. The place where they now are is is familiar. They know this place. They may not necessarily be happy where they are or feel satisfied where they are, but they know it. They know here. What they don't know is there. (laughs) So, you know, Moses Moses was that way, right? Moses wanted his his fellow Israelites to to be free from slavery in Egypt. So much so, he actually killed an Egyptian who who was mistreating a fellow uh, Jewish slave. And Moses had to flee for his life, and and many years later, Moses is married. He's living way outside of you know of, of uh, where, where all this happened in his life, and he's a shepherd for his father's sheep, and he lives in the wilderness. And it's quiet there. He knows this place. It's safe there. And one day, God shows up in a burning bush, and um, and he says, "I know the people are being mistreated in Egypt. And I want you to go and set them free." Though Moses wants this, obviously enough that he would kill for it, 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 it he he was hesitant. And uh, Moses turns into one of these, what I call, yeah, but people. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, have you ever had anybody complain to you about a situation in their life? They say, I want this change. And so you listen to them and you offer them some constructive uh, choices and advice on how they might begin to make some changes to accomplish what they say they want to accomplish in their life. And every time you give them this possible solution, they respond with, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but, and, and they give you, you know, excuse that, that why it won't work. So you offer them, uh, you know, another way, another way they might be able to bring change and help them in their life. And and they're lamenting about this and they're complaining about this. And, and you give them this choice and they say, yeah, but, and out comes another excuse why they can't do it. It's so frustrating. They want to change. They say they want to change, but they're not willing to try and risk anything before they even try, before they're even willing to consider it. They have an excuse why it won't work. Well, when God comes to Moses and says, okay, let's do something about this problem back in Egypt. I know it concerns you. It concerns me. You know, Moses suddenly turns into one of these yeah, but people. Moses gives God five excuses why he can't leave where he is and and embrace the mission God is giving him. Do you remember them? The first one Moses gave, excuse he gave God was, yeah, but I'm not adequate for the task. Moses says to God in Exodus 3.11, who am I? You know, and he had every reason to feel inadequate for the task. We all do. I did. You will. But God replied to Moses as he does to us all when he calls us to mission. I will be with you. Exodus 3.12. I will be with you. Okay. So what's, let's go, Moses. No, Moses says, yeah, but number two, I don't know enough. You know, Moses says, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, This is in Exodus 3.13. If I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Moses was afraid the Israelites might ask him a question that he doesn't have an answer to, that he couldn't answer. And again, God has an answer for Moses. He says, okay, Moses, you tell him this. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to them, to the Israelites. He says in Exodus 3.14, I am has sent me to you. Don't worry that you don't have all the answers, Moses. Whenever, you know, whenever we say I'm not smart enough or I'm not adequate enough, God steps in and goes, "I am enough. I am adequate enough. I am with you." So Moses goes, "Okay, yeah, but the third reason is, yeah, but people won't take me seriously." Moses cries out to God, "What if they won't believe me and will not obey me? But they say the Lord did not appear to you?" That's in Exodus 4:1. God had already promised Moses saying in verse, uh, uh, verse 3, 18, uh, they will listen to what you say. They were going to listen to what you say, but Moses says, yeah, but... So the Lord counteracts again. He, he says, Moses, look, if, if, if they'll take you seriously. I'm going to give you three signs, three miracles you can perform to show them that I'm with you. Remember, God gave them the... uh uh, what turning the staff into a serpent and back into a serpent again, uh, the one where he took his hand, put it in his healthy hand, put in his cloak, took it out, it was full of leprosy, put in his cloak again, and it was healthy again. And then the third one was uh, what ter- taking water and turning into blood. So these are three ways. So Moses still has one more excuse. He says, yeah, but I'm not good with words. If you want to read the story in Exodus 4.10, Moses says, God, no, Lord, don't send me. I've never been a good speaker. I haven't become a good speaker since you began to speak to me. I'm a poor speaker. I'm slow and hesitant. So God responds in verses 11 and 12. Who gives the man his mouth? (laughs) Who makes him deaf or dumb? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? It is I, the Lord. Now go and I will help you to speak and I will tell you what to say. And also, God gives him Aaron. Remember, he gives, he gives him someone to go. So Moses finally realizes, I have no more excuses left. I've, I've exhausted all of them. And finally, he gives the real reason why he doesn't want to go. Um, it is this. I'm not willing. That's what Moses said. He, he finally came to an honest moment. And, and in chapter 4, verse 13, he said, please, Lord, send someone else. This is not an excuse anymore, but it reveals the real issue Moses um doesn't want to go. He, he you know God offers his promise, he offers Moses provision and and yet still Moses says, "Yeah, but I'm out of, I'm out of excuses now there's no more yeah but but Moses revealed it's really a problem of my heart um I don't want to go. Eventually, we know the story, Moses does go. He is obedient. He steps out in faith. He takes the risk. And there's certainly a lot of costs along the way, but eventually it changed history. And we today still read about the impressive works and we watch and hear the Lord in action. It's so good. But there is those of us here today who cry out to God saying, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I I understand, I believe you're calling me, you're telling me to step out in faith, and but I I fear the risk, I fear the costs. And isn't that really the real issue sometimes why we don't step out in faith? We we why we don't obey a God is because like we're afraid. Like Moses, we we ask ourselves, okay, God, I hear you asking me, I hear you calling me, but what if I risk. You know, what if no one listens to me? What if I risk and, and no one takes me seriously? What if I try and I fail? It's all about the fear of the unknown. And this is why I decided to title this message, and we're going to carry on this week with part two, why I entitled this message, Here Be Dragons. Here be dragons. When it came to making, uh, maps for people, there, there was this medieval practice back in the day of uh, putting illustrations of dragons and other mythological creatures on uncharted areas of the map where they believe there's potential dangers in these areas. No one's been there. Uh, we're, we're afraid of these areas. Don't go there. And it was, they would put a stamp going, here be dragons. It was a phrase frequently used in the 1700s and earlier uh, by map makers to to warn people, don't go there. Don't go. That's dangerous there. There are sea monsters there. They're going to kill you. They're going to destroy you. Please stay put. Do not venture out into that area. And, I mean, everyone knew if you sailed off into the distance and went to one of these areas, a dragon would come up, a sea monster would come up, and destroy you and kill you, right? So what do you do? You stay home. You stay put. You don't go there. You take the long way. You do any other thing, any other way but that way. You do not venture into the unknown. And you know, so God calls us to, go out into the deep, right? He calls us to go into the unknown and we quickly label these areas in our life, here be dragons. <laughs> you know, I this is unknown. That, that Something bad's going to happen there and, and we're confronted with new possibilities and to seek new things that we've never experienced before and we're quick to label these territories God calls us to as here be dragons and we stay put. You know, it's really the dying words of the church. The dying words of the church are, is, but we've never done it this way before. Here be dragons. It is what caused the one-talent servant to lose out on his master's reward. He exclaimed, "I was afraid, so I hid." Here be dragons. What if I try this new adventure and it doesn't work? Here be dragons. What what if I mess up? Here be dragons. What if I try to grow, but then there's this cost and this sacrifice that I just I'm just not ready to do. It. I can't I can't do it. I would never be able to do it. Here be dragons. What if I venture out and people discover just how insecure I actually am? Here be dragons. And what we're left with is all these areas and uh, and adventures, which could have been, but we designated them as areas of here be dragons. And and what we discover is this little room. We have so many of these, these labels and marks around their life where we would never go that. we never do that. There's danger there. Here be dragons there. That we literally have little space to venture out, because anywhere else out of my comfort zone, out of where I know is is, is, is the unknown, and there would be dragons there, and there's fear, and there's risk, and I don't want to take that. I like what the English Christian evangelism um, evangelist uh, Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Isn't that good? The opportunity of a lifetime, and God presents you this— is is to be seized now during the lifetime of this opportunity that God gives us. So I'm going to ask you today, as we come to the end, near the end, are you aware of some call of some area where God is asking you to trust Him? Do you sense God is asking you to step out of this comfort zone that you find yourself surrounded with? But you you know, but you but you stay on dry land because, well, you're afraid, you you fear failure. There's a little quiz you can take to find out. Uh, if you fear failure and I'm going to, I'm going to give you just the first five questions on this. It's from psychology today and, and they're good questions to, to find out. Do I, am I kind of the person that fears failure? Number one, failing makes you worry about what other people think about you. That's huge. And if you do, you fear failure. Number two, failing makes you worry about your ability to pursue the future you desire. It's like you dream about doing this. You would love to do this. You want to accomplish this, but you worry that you can't, here be dragons. Number three, failing makes you worry that people will lose interest in you. Failing makes you worry that people will lose interest. Maybe there's someone you want to be in a relationship or want to embrace or, or maybe there's people close to you that you love and you just fear, you worry that they will lose interest in you, fear of failure. Number four, failure makes you worry about how smart or capable you are. I remember counseling a man once who had this biggest fear was that that uh, people would discover he wasn't as confident at his job as he, as he thought it seemed to appear to everyone. He worried if people only knew that what I, who I really was, and, and maybe I don't have it all together and always don't know what I'm doing, they'll think I'm a fraud. See, failure makes you worry about how smart or capable you really are. Number five, failure makes you worry about disappointing people whose opinion you value. I just want to stop there as we come to an end, because uh, I want you to notice the common thread in each one of these five areas where we tend to fear failure. Did you see it? Can you see it? It's the word worry. And we recently went through a whole series on Sunday mornings in and in a church-wide and really community-wide life group called Be Anxious for Nothing. And it was based on these words of Jesus who tells us, never worry about anything. This includes Fear of failure. Never worry about anything. So we're going to pick up next Sunday. We're going to take from what we started today, here be dragons and all the reasons and excuses and, and start picking up about never worry about anything. Why we can go in faith and in boldness to see the impressive works of the Lord, to see Him in action. Because when He calls us, He goes with us. So we're going to continue next week. Let me pray with you today. I want you to take take two. I just want you to spend two minutes right now. And as I, before I pray and, or as I pray and just think, God, is there any area in my life that you're calling me? Is there an area where I'm not trusting you? And, and you're saying, I I really want you to step out and do this. And it's, you, you know, I want you to trust me. And I know there's risk and I know there'll be costs, but, but I want you to go with me. Would you be willing to listen to God and and respond to him in these next two minutes and and certainly beyond the next two minutes? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, how you call us to into action. And and many times it is out of the comfort zone. It is um, going out in the sea and ships. And, and we do fear the dragons, Lord, and the unknown. And, but God, when you call us, uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd find us ready to go. And, and even if we have, we might have these, yeah, but excuses, but God, you will, you will deal with them. And Lord, the real issue of our heart is do we trust you? Will we obey you? Do we believe you? Do we have faith in you? Lord, speak to us now about those areas in our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next Sunday. thanks for listening to today's podcast we make these messages available to give you a window into our church but also an open gate for you to join in with our community our sunday service is at 10 a.m and we look forward to seeing you soon And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.